Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A view from the Bullens in partnership with the Fitzrovia Bell London are delighted to announce an exclusive offer for all our listeners. Between May the 17th and June the 12th, you can enjoy a one night stay for £80 or a two night stay for £150. Both options include breakfast and a welcome drink. Bookings can be cancelled up to 24 hours before your stay and other terms and conditions apply, but to qualify you must follow the Twitter accounts of both A View From The Bullens and the Fitzrovia Bell. Evertonians can also look forward to future personal rates for London away games and other events. Thank you. Hello and welcome to A View From The Bullens with me, Mick Kemp, Lee McLean, Ben Winstanley and our guest today is Taylor Davis. Lee, this is the, the pre-match podcast of Brighton away on Monday night. After the Crystal Palace draw at Goodison Park, is this one a must-win? We've been saying that for weeks, haven't we, Mick? Um, I felt like the Palace game was a must-win, and, and we didn't. So, you know, by default, now we haven't won that game, then yes, of course, this is a must-win. But how many last-chance saloons do we want? You know, somehow, I mean, I've been avoiding looking at the league table since Monday night because you just don't want to do it after a, a draw like that, which felt like a defeat, like Kevin Ratcliffe said on on, uh, on the podcast. <sighs> Somehow we're still just about in there with a shout for, for Europe. Um, but you look at other teams around us and they, they seem to be, you know, in form. You look at West Ham. Villa have still got Grealish to come back. Um, Tottenham are stronger than us. There's other teams in form. Everton are just stumbling really, really badly towards the end of the season. So, yeah, it's a must-win. Uh, it's a game that, we're, of course, we're, we're capable of winning. Um, but Brighton, like I alluded to the other day, uh, although they, they struggle with putting the ball in the back of the net and with finishing a little bit like we did on Monday, they're a decent side and they're good to watch. Uh, I think they're well-drilled, good at the back. They've got, you know, I think Mope is a good player. Um, so on the day, they're capable of, of a result. 
So Everton have got to apply themselves properly. Hopefully, you know they've they've got a week, a full week to digest what happened against Crystal Palace, where things went wrong. The obvious thing, of course, is, is the finishing and the fact that Calvert Lewin and Richarlison missed so many chances. You'd like to think on another day that wouldn't happen again, and you can just put it down to an off night for the both of them. Because, of course, if, if we do manage to create six or seven clear-cut chances like we did on Monday, then you'd back players of that quality to, to put a couple of them away. And then, obviously, Brighton don't score many. So hopefully we can come away with a win. But, of course, Mick, yeah, it, it's an absolute must-win. I think it is now very much officially our last chance saloon on Monday. To fail to win that, I think that's it. I think that's game over for, for the season, for European qualification, I'm afraid. Mm. Ben, do you share the same feelings as Lee that if we don't win at Brighton on Monday, it's, it's probably curtains? Yeah, I agree, Mick. We're, especially with all the points Lee's made there. It's another massive must-win game. Um, you, you look at Brighton and they do play nice football. I think all the XG wizards who follow all the uh, expected goals and assists, they create some chances then. They just can't put the ball on the back of the net. If you look at their record this year, Brighton, I think, played 30 times, won eight, drawn nine, lost 13. And I'd, you know how I like my stats, Mick. So when I had a little look into Brighton themselves, and they're a bit like us, that their away forms a lot better than the home form, um, which I feel like a lot of teams are struggling with this year, the home form. So the home record, they've got 13 points. They've won two, drawn seven and lost six, obviously compared to their away record where they've got 19 points, winning five, drawing four and losing six. So they've only won two games at home all season, which I was quite shocked about, to be honest. Um, they got expected goals of 1.1 goals per game and 1.27 goals per game they concede. So they've got a minus five goal difference at the moment. And as Lee said, I, I, I didn't realise they were struggling that much. They played really nice football. They got some really talented big players. You look at that Basuma central midfield. Now, he's probably the dream signer for me in the summer. He's superb central midfielder. Gets up and down the pitch. You got big Lewis Dunk at the back. Ben White was fabulous for Leeds last year. More playing well back up front. But they, they play more of a 3 5 2. So you're wondering how Everton going to match them and go obviously five at the back and play off 3 5 2 or do revert back to the 4 3 3 and try and play within the line. So it, it's going to be very interesting tactically. And Graham Potter's got them playing obviously really nice football. But at the end of the day, football's a results business. And when I was looking at their record, I, I was quite shocked that they're still in the mix of relegation. I think the 16th currently on 32 points now. They haven't got an easy running and they, they need points of a matter of urgency. But you look at the home record and you think, come on, Everett, you can really have a go at them. Can Looking at our away record and our away performances that we put in this year, which, as we stated on the last podcast, are currently saving our season this year. So, for me, we must win. We've got to win. I don't know how many times we can say it. We, we've been getting away with it of late, but I don't feel like the teams around us are going to slip up any more than they have done in the previous weeks. And, I finally just got over that Palace game. It's, it's been sitting on my mind all week, but you, we've got to look forward. We've got to be positive. I was just happy that we created more chance against Palace um, than we have done in previous home games. You look back to obviously them games again, the West Ham, Newcastle, people like that, where we weren't, we didn't win and we didn't create a single, a single attempt on target for like 90 minutes. So, the positive thing is that we've we've been getting chances and I just hope to God Calvert-Lewin, which, do you know what, respect to Calvert-Lewin coming out publicly on uh, Twitter and just basically saying it wasn't good enough for him. And I, it was really good to see that he'd held his hands up and said, I've got to do better. 
because he did have to do better. Him and Richarlison both should have put that to bed. Um, so, yeah, it, it is a big game, Mick. Um, and if we can get three points down here with our game in hand, whenever that's scheduled in to be against Villa, then we're somehow fifth still. It well in the mix. And like we said, I can't remember the last win by Southampton um, and then West Brom before that. So we need to go on a run of form now, which we haven't tend to do towards the back end of the season. They tend to get a bit of a kick on and get a few results together. They did at the back end of last year as well. So with the, the 10 games or nine games remain, if we can get up five or six wins under our belt, I know it's going to be difficult, but it's going to put us in the hunt for Europe and inevitably not getting Europe this year. I'd class that as a failure, to be honest, because we, we need Europe. And obviously Paul, the S, came on telling us about the finances and we need European football for Premier League sustainability and obviously to inc- increase the revenue and income coming into the club. So another massive game, Mick. Hopefully we get three points under our belt. And if you look at their their performances and their record, Brighton, we're more than capable to go there uh, and get a really good three points. Taylor, mm. thanks for joining us. I look at Brighton, you know, six points above the drop. And as well as they probably do play football at times, they've only got two wins in their last nine. So regardless of how well they're playing, maybe footballing wise, if you want to get into Europe, Brighton home and away, you've got to be looking at six points, haven't you? Yeah, most definitely, mate. Um, We let off a lot with Chelsea this season. Tottenham during the weekend was massive for us as well. And I'm sick of saying that Everton aren't taking those chances. You know, the draw, the... uh, Weekend was just absolutely poor from us. It was, as I said, the ruthlessness, the finishing wasn't there. There's a chance where Calvert Lewin gets it. And there's a lot of talk on Twitter, especially in the last few days, about Lukaku and how ruthless he was. And I've seen a few videos of his goals and the chance for Calvert Lewin. Mason Allgate plays a ball and you just think, put it round him or chip it, and he just doesn't. And as I said, another day we could win that, but we need to start winning them. Um, going back to what Ben said about the three at the back with Brighton, I watched the Man United game and they did play well, but the two goals came down the right-hand side where Ben White's playing, leaves a gap with the right wing back. And you just think, you know, if we overload them there with Richarlison and Dinho, Hamez drifts in and plays it through there. There could be a lot of success for us in terms of getting goals, creating chances. So it's definitely a game for me where we have to win. Mm. Lee, looking at the fixtures... It's another weekend where the fixtures are quite kind to Everton. I mean, West Ham play Leicester and, and Tottenham host Man United. So it's just like last weekend, it's another weekend where if Everton can get a win, there's pressure on other clubs, isn't there, again? Mick, I think we've just got to completely forget other teams' fixtures because it, it just doesn't work like that. We, we keep looking at it every weekend and we think, yeah. And then it happens and, and, and other teams do us a favour and we don't capitalise on it. Everton have got to forget what's going on around them and focus completely on ourselves because that's the only thing we can control. You can control the controllables. Um, our performance and our ability to turn performances into wins is the only thing that we should be focusing our, our efforts on this week. Now, Ancelotti is a master tactician. He's come with this huge reputation of winning things and getting the best out of teams. Is he getting the best out of this Everton squad now? I think there's a debate either way. Um, I think if you look at the job, and I'm not comparing, before everyone jumps on me here, I'm not comparing David Moyes and Carlo Ancelotti. They are chalk and cheese. But you've got to give credit where credit's due sometimes. And Moyes has only spent £30 million on that on that team at West Ham. And he's getting a real tune out of a, a, a squad of players that 
I, I don't know if anyone else agrees with me, but I don't think they look as good on paper as, as Everton's squad. Um, and if you look at the games we've dropped points in, you know, the games we've drawn or, or, or got beat, you know, they're, they're against sides that are on paper again, not as good as us. So whether or not he knows his best 11, um, a system that's working for him, I don't, I don't know. I think he's literally experimenting uh, this season and, and it's not quite worked and we've not seen the stability that perhaps we'd like to have seen. It's been a, a, a lot of chopping and changing week in, week out. So focus on what's worked against Crystal Palace and if you think about it, okay, what worked? We created chances. We haven't been creating chances. Ball, he said it at the, at the weekend. Uh, that was the difference on Monday. You know, we did carve them open. You know, there was the, the through balls and it was they were clear goal-scoring opportunities and, and they've been very few and far between for Everton, certainly at home. Um, so if we can do the same and I think Hammers being fit and available to start again, you know, there's a week between games so we'd like to think that that is going to happen. That's pivotal. Um, and I think if he does start, uh, like Taylor's just said there, there is opportunities and there will be opportunities and gaps because Brighton are not not great at the end of the day. They're, they're okay and they're a decent outfit, like like we've said, but they're there to be got at. And there's a reason why they're only six points above the, the relegation zone. Then we need to focus on cre- creating those chances for a week of pure finishing exercises, I hope, at Finch Farm this week to make sure that we don't suffer the same fate as we did on Monday and, and drop more ridiculous points so that would be the focus for me not on teams around us focus on what we're doing we've got to get the win and focus on ourselves Ben just touching on what Lee just said there about David Moyes and his, his West Ham team the reason West Ham are sitting fourth is, is because they are beating the beatable teams when they play against the big six the big seven they normally stumble they don't normally pick up a win but what they're doing is they're doing something that Everton aren't doing and it's beating the mid table and the lesser teams aren't they yeah, especially at home with Everton, we tend to struggle against the teams who are in and around us and below us, which I don't really understand. Um, I don't know if, if that's a case of missing the fans and they just get a bit blasé and a bit lethargic and just sit, go through the motions because you look at the games we've lost at home, you've looked at them fixtures, Mick, and it still knocks me sick. I'm, I seen the tweet the day after of the teams we've played and lost against and only picked up five points this year and I just feel like we we kicking ourselves. It was it was it's in our hands this year. It was in our hands. Look at some like the West Ham at home, Leeds at home, um, other games. It's just like Burnley, Newcastle. We've been beat by Newcastle five one, and I could get in the one of, one of I've seen one of the worst teams in the Premier League this year. No disrespect to any Toon fans that listen in, but they're just not great. But they they just beat us at home. So. Like Lee said there, Moyes has got the best out of his 11. He's got a good formation and he sticks with the same formation. Now, like we're not having to go with Carlo Ancelotti. He is the man going forward for me. We'll back him to the hilt. Um, but obviously, like you said, Mick, on Twitter, he can be criticised. He got it wrong on Monday. But long term, he's the man to lead us forward. And I, I just don't think he trusts the squad, to be honest. I don't think he trusts certain players. Um, he's not happy with, obviously certain players coming into the fold, look at your Bernards or Wobies, they've, they've had the chances and he's just not interested, he just doesn't fancy them anymore. Um, Josh King, another one, I think probably, I'm, I was a bit surprised, he obviously didn't start, but he must be doing nothing in training mix, obviously impressed the gaffer and if that's the case, then you get bombed from the squad, don't you, and you don't get on on first 11, but 
Yeah, Goki and going back to like those substitutions against Palace. I still think it was bizarre. Um, but let's put that behind us now, as Lee said. Look at the positives. We created some really good chances. Hammers Rodriguez looked back to his best. Um, Gabamon's back gives another option in midfield. And it was just a really interesting point. What Taylor touched on then, um, obviously against Ben White, I think like it's probably a great uh, tactical way of actually going at Brighton. Obviously, they've got the, the overlapping fullbacks. And it's a Pascal Gross. That is that, I think that's the way you pronounce it, a bit like Gomez. But um, then they've got Moda on the left, on the left wing back. So if we can get behind Pascal Gross and their fullbacks and get out, obviously Ben White and uh, Veltman, they haven't got that much pace, Brighton. So if we can use, use tactically, be clever about it, stick on the last man, get Calvert Lewin playing off Ben White, get Richarlison in around them, get, get the players buzzing. Hamez is going to have pockets of space. Um, you, you're going to think probably Basuma or Lalana or they're going to try and boot literally kick Hammers out of the game and that that Trossard for Brighton was an interesting player as well he, he's another one that like gets in between the lines and obviously watched the United game as well and he was picking up spaces and balls in the first half especially getting playing in between the lines he had a lot of space and United tend to just like let him have the ball so he's going to be one to watch and I'm just hoping the likes of Alana back because he, he was a massive miss on Monday and we spoke about it before. I think Tom Davis looked a bit leggy. I'm not too sure if he was 100% fit and obviously Gabamon's come back from 600 days uh, not being in the squad, not training. So it's we just need the players back in, Mick. I do, fi- I do feel like um, not trying to play the victim here like certain clubs, but we have, we have been really unlucky um, in the, obviously some of our injuries we've picked up this year. I think Alan's been out probably more than he's played. I think Hamez is probably the same. Gabamon's been injured. Don't want to say his name, but Fabian Delph hasn't bit, hasn't been in and around the squad either. So that central midfielders, even we've got a lot signed on, they're not really staying fit as often. Now I don't know why they're picking up little knocks here and there, but the fully free that he wants, obviously in the middle, is Alan Decore and probably Hammers. I'd say they're probably your best free. And I think we've said it a few times. I think the last time them three played together. Uh, I think Gomez started the first few games, didn't he? So the last time they all played together was back in like October, November time, when we were brushing past teams, scoring a lot, but conceding a few. So the injuries haven't helped at all, Mick, this year. Um, not saying it's excused by any means, because I still feel like the, the, the 11 that we put out, especially against Palace and other teams, should have got the job done um, quite easily. But yeah, it's, it's one of them. We've got to kick on now. We can't let the pass. Let's talk about the presence. Let's go forward. Let's get a big win Monday. Um, and let's really kick on for the season now because we're going to need this running now to get a bit of form together going into the last games. Mm-hmm. Taylor, you'd probably expect Everton to set up like they normally do away from home, surrender possession, sit in and try and nick a goal. I think that's how we'll play as, um, 100%, definitely. Especially with the uh, counter-attack approach, we can put out Bryson with the three at the back. Um, but another key area that I'd like to touch upon with Brighton is they're, they're not the best in the air, especially Ben White. I've got it written down. I know Ben's is, he's one for the stats, so he might like this one. But um, Ben White, he only stands at five foot eleven. He's gone for 77 aerial duels, 139, lost 38, giving him a 49% win rate, which is not the best, obviously, for a centre-off. So it'd be key if we can... Um, highlight him from set pieces as we are one of the best in the league from scoring especially Yerry Mean and Michael Keane Calvert Lewin especially as well so that could be something that we look at but yeah I think we'll set up with a, a rigid tight compact approach hopefully Alan comes back gives us a bit of stability in the midfield 
the core would have been vital, I think, to hunt and press Basuma because I watched him against Man United as 90% pass accuracy. So he's someone that the core would have to hunt and press. But apart from that, I'd fancy our chances if we can counter-attack, especially against that three at the back. Mm. Lee, just touching on what Ben said previously, if Everton don't make Europe, do you think it's a, a season of failure? Yeah, I do. Um, I think if you look where we've come from, I think we're, we're, aver- we're averaging around eighth in the last couple of seasons. Um, you've got Ancelotti's first full season in charge. I think you just got to look at the games we've lost and threw points away, in, and, and it's all been our own doing. We can't. I know Ben just said there, and he is right. I think we have been probably more unlucky than most with injuries, but the, the difference is we don't cry and moan about it. Um, but we have been blighted by key injuries all throughout the season. It's just not being the same person. So, there's, of course, there's that to factor in. Obviously, there's no fans, but that's the same for everyone, so we can't point towards that. Um, I, I just think it's all been our own doing. I think we've either taken teams too lightly um, or we've just gone gone sort of through the motions. Like Borley said, we've not put the hard yards in. Um, in these games where if you apply yourself properly and you win your battles, you, more often than not, you're going to win these games. Ultimately, it comes back to what you've said before. We haven't beaten the rubbish. Um, and that is the key for any successful side or any degree of success. You've got to beat the teams that you're expected to beat. You'll always pick up the odd results against the uh, the so-called better sides, which is what we've done. We've had some good results and you know, we're going to come away with, obviously, we've broken the hoodoo of uh, the, the derby win. We've got that under our belt. We've we've won away at Tottenham. We've you know we've shown good character at Old Trafford. Uh, we've beaten Chelsea and Arsenal at home. So there has been positives, but we've let ourselves down when it really really mattered and when opportunities have presented themselves. So it's it's a season again, and there's other teams in transition. So the window has been wide open for us to climb through, and we haven't done it. So it, ultimately, if we if we don't manage to secure European football in May we'll only have ourselves to blame. Um, and I've said it before, I worry about wh- what happens next. Uh, because although we can pay big wages and we've got Ancelotti there, and that will you know, that will attract a certain type of player, I want to be attracting the players who, who want to play at the top table and perhaps come into Everton for the right reasons. Because we've been victim of the other scenario where players are joining us perhaps for one last big payday or just for the money. And we don't want that. And I'd like to think we've moved on from getting players in of that nature. So it's it's massive and it starts on Monday. We have to get three points um, and then we, we push on for the, the final eight games. But yeah, ultimately, I think we'll all be massively, massively disappointed if we end this season without something to show for it. Mm. Ben, I believe you agree with that as well. But I look at the table... And I think that's probably where Everton are at. So I think if they do finish eighth, I don't think we can have any complaints. Um, it's a difficult one, that, Mick, because I, I feel like we're good enough for Europe. Um, top seven at, at the minimum. I'd probably say we're the seventh best team in the league. Um, I, I do honestly think we're better than West Ham, but I just feel like they've got a good run of form under them. Um, I think our squad is probably better than theirs, but they're just performing really well. They've got teams go on like runs like this and get a good momentum behind them and really kick on. And that's what we need. We need a good, we need to string a good few performances together, get lucky on a few wins, and just really kick on like we did around December. 
because um, we, we were struggling going into December that one of fixtures and <clears throat> I didn't really give us much of a chance to be honest I think we were playing a majority of like the so-called big four and we came out of December with like massive points um, we beat most of them at home went on a real good run and I was confident going into obviously the West Ham game at the start of this year and that's where it all seemed to just go wrong at home just I don't know why I, I, can't, I can't put my finger on it Mick to be honest it, you look at the performances where we played really well at home, it's when obviously the 2,000 fans were present. So like any team in the league, away teams are fancying the chances going away and just going at, um, at the, not like they used to, obviously when the fans are getting on the back, it must must play a massive like psychological factor for any player going to any away ground, knowing they're going to be in for a mouthful of abuse from your local beer drinking pub attendee. So they're not getting that this year. It's an empty ground. They've just got a chance. Like, right, go on then. Well, let's have a real go and play good counter-attacking football because it's up to you, really, to break us down being the home team. And that's how we perform so well away from home, just counter-attacking, quick football and getting a few um, headed goals in the process as well. Like Taylor touched on, we are a big, big side. And when you've got the likes of Hammers and, dare I say it, Sigurdsson and Luca Dean putting balls into the box, we should be expected to score numerous headed goals but they, even them seems to have dried up at the moment I know Hammers put some brilliant balls into the box at the, on Monday and I think Richarlison should have buried one I think Mina glanced it over Richarlison's head and the chances are there um, and we just I, I don't agree with eighth Mick to be honest going back to your question I'm straying again as always but I feel like this team this manager this squad are good enough for top seven European football um, especially with the results we've we've won in the past and I just feel like we're letting ourselves down. Um, I know us Evertonians get a bit carried away and a bit of a laugh and a joke at the start of the year, but we were playing really, really nice football. Uh, we were getting it down. I was confident going into all games and I just knew we were going to score three or four. We might concede one or two, but I knew we were going to win because we'd outscored the opponents. And somewhere down the line, I don't know if it was injuries or Carlo getting a bit frustrated with the lack of uh, with the goals scored, then we seemed to really like shut up shop. Um, and just not really try and put teams to bed. And you go back to that Palace game on Monday being 1-0 down and instead of going for the jugular, really trying to finish them off on the counter-attack, put some pacey forwards on and go at them when they're trying to come at us. We we, we chose to sit back and bring on Gabamin, which I still don't work out, but is that, that might be the way Carlo wants to go because he doesn't trust the squad like I was alluding to before. So, yeah. I do think we should need to be top seven, Mick, going forward. We need European football. And I feel like if we don't get it, it's a big letdown for the club and the fans. Mm. Taylor, do you share the same the same thoughts as Ben and Lee? 100%. Um, if you really want to kick on with this transition under Carlo Angelotti, then we need European football. I laughed at many of like our fans saying, oh, we could have a push for top four. We're good enough for top four. We're not. We need to keep it real. And European football, Europa League style is where we're at um, you know there's talk of Koulibaly um, Nico Shaira talked of it last night of if Napoli don't get Champions League football then he'll be on his way out but what's good of him leaving Napoli coming to Everton if we don't offer European football you know if we want to get these world class uh, superstars you need something to show for it because Carlo Ancelotti as your manager can only take you so far with this attraction but definitely definitely European football is something that we should be looking for mm. Leon, I know you just touched on it. Is a major concern now if we don't make Europe that certain players like Richarlison may start looking elsewhere? Yeah, it's, it's a real possibility, mate. And you've got to put yourself in the players' shoes. It's a short career. 
maybe talking 10 to 12 years, 15 at the most, if you talk like Ryan Giggs and stuff. But, uh, you know, they, they've committed to Everton, they've shown us a, a degree of loyalty already. Um, but if you come to the end of the season and, and we've not got Europe and you're looking around and you're thinking, OK, I'm, I'm a, let's say, Richarlison to start with, I'm a full Brazilian international and playing alongside Neymar and Vinicius and everyone else, you know, and, and I'm going on international duty and they're all talking about these Champions League nights or Europa League, whatever. I, if I'm Richarlison, I'd be seriously thinking, OK, what, what's next for me? Um, and and I, I think he, he seems settled enough. I think post-pandemic, it'll be even better when these young lads can get out and about and enjoy the city a little bit more again. I think that's a, a big factor as well. And, and hopefully, you just got to hope and pray that you know, he, he's going to stick around and he's going to give us this one last chance, so to speak, if, if we don't get Europe. Luca Dean's the same. I know he's just signed a, a long-term deal and he, I'm not sure how much that means these days. But again, he's another one who seems pr- pretty settled at the club. Um, you know, I'm not too fearful that, that we'd lose him. Calvert-Lewin, could, could we be braced for a big bid from a, from a top side for Calvert-Lewin, given what he's done this year? How ambitious is he? You know, is he going to want to be playing European football to cement his England, England place, perhaps? You just don't know. Um, so you've got that, that side of the coin in terms of retaining the quality that we've got. Um, but the other side is what we've mentioned again on a number of occasions. I think it's attracting the best players and I think that's what Europe helps you do. It's the next natural step in this project that we've talked about at length. We've got to get the European football back consistently at Goodison Park mm. and it then it helps you attract this this young talent from across Europe. Okay, come, come to Everton. You're at a, a club who, who's aiming high, who've got these ambitions. They've got a great manager. We've got a, a spattering of really, really good quality players, although we need we need more, of course. Come and join this project. Um, you know, you've, you've got a platform, you've got Europe to showcase what you can do, as well as the Premier League, which is the best league in, in the world, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, it's absolutely pivotal, I think, to, to, to what's coming next for Everton. And I think if we don't get Europe, the only plus I can think of is that you can focus domestically, but we've 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 not had had that issue to deal with this year, and it's not exactly worked. So I think that's not an excuse either. Uh, a back, uh, you know, too many games. I think there's no such thing as too many games. These lads are young, they're fit, they should be hungry. It's a squad game now. We need European football at Everton. It's as simple as that. Ben, moving away from that, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he, he came under a lot of criticism after the weekend against Crystal Palace. I know emotions are running high with a lot of Evertonians after the game. With Dominic Calvert-Lewin, looking at those finishes, do you feel that we, we do need another striker to, to complement him and maybe take some of the pressure off him? See, this was a bit of a debate that was going around Twitter, wasn't it, uh, after the Crystal Palace game? Now, I didn't think we, we did. Um, at first, obviously, with Charleston's a good backup striker, but then you look at it, really, he's not fancying Josh King at all, is he? And then you look at probably Moister Ken, or Keane, however you pronounce it, he's probably off in the summer to uh, obviously fund some of the budget this this summer, but we need to box clever, I think, because if you look, Calvert-Lewin scored 14, 15 goals this year in the Premier League, I think, um, and obviously scored more in the, in the Cup games as well. Look, he is a good finisher when he doesn't have time to think of what he's going to do next. He's a very 
he's a it, like someone described him as he is a bit like Inzaghi. He's he's brilliant at the one touch finishes when there's literally nothing to think about. Put your foot through it and score. It's when he goes through one on one, he starts thinking more. And I think Lee said it off air on the podcast on Saturday. You've got to go ice cold as a striker. You've got to f- just focus your mind when you're through one on one. And don't let the keeper dictate what you're going to do because you've just seen it. Guy Eaton knew I'll stand up to him because he's going to hit it straight at me. He did it in the first half and twice in the second half. And he had that chance so quickly after going 1 0 up. And if that's 2 0, I'd probably say that game was dead and buried. And we probably could have made the substitutions that we did make to see out the game. But yeah, we're probably, I, I, look, I wouldn't be throwing all my budget at a striker. Um, I do feel like we need to get like some sort of um, striker that's going to come in as a part time player. Because um, I, I still feel like the right wing, right back situation has got to take precedence over any further additions to the squad. Um, right back, quick right winger who could possibly, basically a better Theo Wolcott, quicker and can actually contribute with the goals. Um, I know Wolcott did score a few goals, but he was just a, wasn't what we were looking for, was he? But a younger version of him who's going to go direct and can obviously ease the burden on Calvert Lewin as well by scoring some goals. But in terms of a striker, we probably do need one. Um, but I wouldn't be throwing massive money at it, Mick, to be honest, because obviously the right-back issue is massive for me. Um, the right winger, and I'd probably even say a centre midfielder, uh, is probably a bit high up the list as well for me, a ball-carrying centre midfield player. So we do need one, but not of a matter of urgency. If we can get both at the, with the same, someone like an Ivan Tony from Brentford, who can play on the right wing and can play up front, and is probably all right for a reasonable fee and he can fill in at both positions and chip in here and there with goals which he's been doing in the championship brilliantly someone like that who's flexible and can play both positions for me Mick we need to box clever this summer because as the Esk said on that podcast a few times ago we've got to be very tight with the budget we're, we're touch and go on the Premier League sustainability and no team has ever gone over that budget before and we don't know what the uh, the punishment would be. So we do need it, but we can p- potentially box clever and get to, uh, one player who can play two positions, Mick, so we don't spend all the summer budgets on um, something that doesn't need addressing as a matter of urgency. Mm. Taylor, what are your thoughts on this one? Like I say, he did come under a lot of criticism, DCL, on the weekend. Do you think we need to maybe dip into the market and get another striker? It's not high on my list either, um... I agree with Ben. With the right back and right winger situation needs sorting straight away. As soon as the window opens, you know, there's talk of Max Aaron's coming in. Um, but yeah, that has to be number one priority. You know, getting a good right winger in who can get in seven goals, seven assists, can win you an extra nine points in a season, which for us would take us, you know, onto the next level of the top six. So that's what I'd be looking at. Another sense of mid would be would be nice. But coming back to Calvert Lewin and the criticism, I thought it was fair. You know, he's now become third and the big chances missed the season. 15, only Werner and Bamford are higher. And, you know, Timo Werner's often criticised for it. So we don't want Calvert-Lewin approaching that style. But for me, Ivan Tony would be absolutely perfect. I think he's got over 20 goals this season. He can play on a number of different positions. And he'd know if he comes to Everton, the Calvert-Lewin's demand England, England regular these days. So I'm sure he'd be happy to come in and sit on the bench. But for me right back and right wing is the absolute certainty and then maybe dip into the market for a striker if we had any uh, additional funds. Mm. Okay, guys, it's that time again. It is prediction time. Everton travel to Brighton Monday night, 8.15 kickoff. Lee, I'll come to you first. I just think Everton are all wrong for Brighton. I can see us picking them off if we play the way we did on Monday. 
I think th- there's chances to get at these at the back. So I- I'm going for a 2 0 win. 2 0. And we'll come to yourself, Ben. Just want to say thanks to the uh, the listeners who pointed out on Twitter that I actually got the Monday night score right and it's backfired on me massively. Yeah, the reverse yeah. psychology. That was your first one right <laughs> of the season, mate. Just know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, right. Let's hope the uh, lightning strikes twice. Eh? I'm going to go 2 and 11. I think it'll be comfortable if we if we play the way that we can do. And as Lee said against Palace, I think we're going to win 2 0. And I'd say Richarlison's going to score to make up for his, uh, his, let's just say, a bit of comedy of errors the other night. Okay, and Taylor? Um, I agree with Lee. With, I think it would be too much for them on the counter-attack and I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Okay, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here, lads. We're not too much for anyone at the moment. So I am going to go 1-1. And I think that's probably our season up in smoke if that happens. Anyway, let's hope it's Lee, Ben and Taylor that are right and Everton come away with three points at the Amex. We will be back Monday night with Bawley and Ratcliffe. In the meantime, stay safe, take care, and all the best. Thank you. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.